Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Football Frame of Mind podcast. And we're going to do a little thing, a little bit different this episode, man. Usually we have a topic, but we've broken down college. We've broken down NFL preseason. We've done some uh, some more, some top five lists, man. Don't worry, we got some more of that. Uh, but today we're going to introduce a new series. It's called our What If series, man. Take a scenario and we break it down to see what would happen in our eyes and what might have stayed the same. But just a what if segment, man, just to see what what if what if this went a certain way? What if that went a certain way, man? But our what if series starts today, man. But before we get started, man, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm ready to start this new series. We've got a big list of all kinds of different things to talk about, different eras, different player situations. I think you guys will really like it. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm ready to go. All right, man. Hey, there we go. Like I said, we are about to start this, man. It's going to be interesting because, gosh, so many what-ifs, man, that we could start with. But, like I said, I'll do the honors and start, man, and we just pick up from there, man, give me some feedback. And see what's up, man. But my first what if, man, what if Jimmy Johnson doesn't leave the Cowboys, man? That's my first what if, man. We talk about the Cowboys, and they have a history of just being America's team um, today. Not so much, but definitely America's team nonetheless, man. They have won a lot, have a lot of good players, man. I think. They started um, making football players heroes, man. I think that's fair to say, man. They were the first team to really make their football players heroes, man. So great, like I said, great team, great franchise. But their highest success was their last success in the 90s with Jimmy Johnson and his Cowboy teams, man. So I believe that Jimmy Johnson established a culture, man. People don't understand he signed a 10-year contract with them. So he wasn't going nowhere, right? But you know how egos go. And you know how when, you know, you have a set of rules and you want those rules and the owner breaks them. Hey, you know, you can't really, you can't say that you're the the coach and I'm the owner and think that's going to be okay when the coach is seemingly the reason why they won in the first place. So, obviously, that relationship broke, man. But, like I said, before he left, they had won two straight Super Bowls, man. And, I mean, look dominant in them. Let's just say that. Um, He orchestrated the trade for Herschel Walker, man, which rebuilt the team that that lost 15 games in 1988 or 89 or whatever. Um, that trade added value to their draft picks. Obviously, they got a host of them. Um, <laughs> Herschel Walker did nothing with the Vikings, let's just say that. And they were able to draft a lot better, man. Obviously, it starts off with um, Troy Aikman. Uh, and then it starts off with uh, Michael Irvin as well. So you start to build your team up, man. And then you get an Emmitt Smith, and now you got the triplets, right? So that trade just set everything in motion, man. And as I mentioned before, they win two Super Bowls in that thing. So in my opinion, I think if he left, what if he didn't leave? I think that they win more Super Bowls. 
I think at least they get four more. I don't know. I don't think they might get a three-peat as well. I do think they mm-hmm. get a three-peat because I don't think a lot of those guys were going to leave because they won the year after that. They didn't win in, in 94, but they won in 95. So you can easily say they would have won four straight. Who knows, right? Who knows? But fair to, fair to really think about that, that they might have won four straight Super Bowls, man, because that team was loaded, man, loaded. And they won mm-hmm. with Barry Switzer as head coach. And Barry Switzer, as good as he was in college, man, he was not the best NFL coach, man. He just looked lost at times sometimes and just had a lot going on, man. But they won nonetheless, and he's one of a few guys, uh, a few NFL coaches that have national championships in college. So kudos to him. Jimmy Johnson being another one. And I want to say Pete Carroll being the third. I think those are the only three mm-hmm. coaches that have both NCAA championships and Super Bowl. So that goes the thing. And I think they have a longer uh, winner, winning uh, presence in the NFC East. I think they win a lot more titles. I think they can – Playoff, um, perennial playoff teams, I think they keep that going. I don't think they go anywhere because a lot of the problems, excuse me, a lot of the problems that faced them after Jimmy Johnson left weren't really like it was schematic things for real. Like player-wise, they didn't draft the same. They didn't do it. They didn't uh, work out the same. The standards weren't even the same, which is technically why I think the Cowboys are struggling now because they don't have any structure. Everything comes from up top. Like, Mm -hmm. just because you're the owner doesn't mean you have to make football decisions, man. Just keep the lights on, keep the salary cap low, and make it happen, right? You don't have to make Mm -hmm. no football decisions, especially if you're not a football guy. Like, don't get me wrong. Jerry Jones is a great owner, man. He's vastly, uh, vastly improved the bottom line for the Cowboys. Every year, if you look at the Forbes list, he is the top-rated franchise in terms of money every year. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps going up. $8 billion, $6 billion, always up there. $6, 8000000000 billion a year. Doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? This is a world list. So we're talking soccer teams up there, and he has a team that's worth more than those teams. So you look at that, and you understand, hey, maybe I should have just let Jimmy Johnson do his thing, you know, instead of getting in the way. Because it's cost me almost 30 years of winning, man. And I think with Jimmy Johnson, man, their standards would be the same if he wouldn't have left. I think, yeah, I think he would have chose a more – suitable candidate to replace him you know somebody that get his style that get the way he plays drafts the way he drafts i think all of that would have been the same for at least 10 more years man because i don't think he was burnt out at all this isn't Mm -hmm. uh dick vermeil it was way too soon exactly it's in dick vermeil with the eagles man where we worked so hard to get to the super bowl and i'm just tired man Nah, man, he just won two straight Super Bowls, man. With a team he had, they was going to win another one. More than that. At least maybe four or five. You know what I'm saying? At least. Because you got Troy Aikman and uh, Emmitt Smith wasn't going nowhere. Now, obviously, Michael Irvin got hurt, and that could happen to anybody. But Mm -hmm. 
I don't think, you know, you, I don't think you can say that, that, you know, they wouldn't have won because they won three, you know, you know, so, um, but like I said, I think some things that would have stayed the same though, which might've derailed them was free agency. I think a lot of teams, like I said, I think that a lot of teams would have started to poach their players away, which they did anyway. But I feel like if Jimmy Johnson and Jerry Jones didn't butt heads, I think they would have figured out a plan and who to keep and who not to keep. Because Mm -hmm. now Jerry Jones is too friendly with his players, man. And some players need to go. Simple as that, man. Some players just need to go. You can't protect Tony Romo. You can't protect Dak, man. And you, you know, you let Zeke go, but you know, that's just what it was, right? You just have to do that because you ain't got no money to pay Dak. And he was gonna leave. So you can't pay on both, right? And then keep your team winning. And you saw them lose a little bit, you know. So like I said, man, I just think it all came down to uh Jerry Jones, man. This is all his fault. And he caused it, man. And this is uh the devil's ransom as a sense, man. Um he got his payback. 30 years of losing. I don't think you can he feel that every day. I don't care. I don't right. care if his team is valuable. Yeah, I don't I don't care if his team is up there in value every year for Forbes, man. But you feel that, man. Every year you want to win the Super Bowl, and they ain't won. And they had some good teams, man. So he got to pay the piper, man. It's his fault. So I think if Jimmy Johnson didn't leave, the Cowboys would be a far better franchise. Worth way more than eight billion. I'm talking maybe fifteen billion. If they get if they get four Super Bowls in a row and finish off with five with Jimmy Johnson as the head coach, that that franchise is worth at least fifteen billion dollars right now. And let's just say you and me, we ain't buying them. <laughs> we ain't buying them if they win five Super Bowls, man. So that's what I mm-hmm. think. Man, I want to argue. I think I think he's been a cancer from the start. I mean, dude, you have to find a way to make that work. You, your team is so we we give cowboy we give cowboys fans a lot of flack. There's so many reasons why, and I mean, it, it's a very delusional fan base. Man, when you really sit down, you're just being realistic. He literally shot them in the butt for 30 years because of that. Because like, look, if you put your ego aside and y'all figure it out. They take over the rest of the 90s. A lot of these teams we see, you're probably not going to see Green Bay win. You probably you probably might not see Baltimore win. You might not see, like, there's so many dominoes that would fall differently. Like, I think they would have drafted better. I think they would have continued to build depth on that team. I think their offensive line still would have been tremendous. And like you just said, Michael Irvin may not have gotten hurt. I mean, that, like you said, that could have happened to anybody at any given time. Injuries are unpredictable. But, man, you got to think about it. They could have rode that, especially if they would have been drafting good and not making horrible bonehead decisions of free agency. They could have rode that into anywhere between, like, 2000 and 2004, realistically. Because you got to think, he's already got his machine rolling. He's already got his side on. Man, I'm not going to compare it to, like, a New England thing, but it could be somewhere in the same ballpark because you're established – culture you've established this tradition of winning 
it, it could be somewhere on the same level as that. And man, that's scary to think about. And man, you gotta just like you said, you gotta know that Jerry Jones is kicking himself in the ass every day because of that. And he can say whatever he wants. They can act uh cool, whatever, but I know he's pissed off about that. I know because they, man, I, like I know they both are though. I think they both are. I think him and Jimmy Johnson are more on but I put it way more on Jerry Jones, dude. I like you said, I don't think Johnson was anywhere close to being ready to go. And I mean, look at what happened following that. Well, let's look at what happened. They let they let him go. Uh, you pretty much lose all your guys at some point. Aikman leaves. Irving gets hurt. Emmett Smith gets traded because he's starting to get older in age. Then you don't start having a good quarterback for like another five, six years. You got guys like Quincy Carter and Vinny Testaverde when he's like way too old. And then you strike on Tony Romo, but he's like one of those unclutched guys ever. And then you you put these good teams together and you have the coaches. Look, he's only hired one really good coach since he's since Jimmy Johnson left. And I'd say that's Wade Phillips. That's the only guy that I know Phillips could have really done a good job if, Jim, if Jerry Jones hadn't have been the freaking owner. But man, you look at how long, like you said, he tried to protect people. So like Jason Garrett, Jerry should have never gotten that job. Should have never had that job for that long. The players didn't respect him because they knew that he didn't call on all these decisions. Jerry Jones won because they cost himself a lot of money. But man, they they could have at least won a minimum of three or four, at least. The most likely ceilings like five or six best case scenario. Uh I don't think Jerry Jones is a bad guy. I just think his ego is so crazily big. And he just he's so consumed with the business that he just feels like he has to be. He has to have his finger in every single thing, has to know every single thing, has to be doing every single thing. And I'm sorry, you're spread too thin. That's why you need to have really good guys you trust as your general manager, really good guys you trust as your head coach. Really good guys you trust at all as all these analytical guys and these assistant coaches because now you've got a great team together and you can consistently win and be in contention for Super Bowls. But that is the complete opposite of what's happened since what 95, 96, whatever year it was. I mean, it's been a dumpster fire, man. And it's crazy because if I could count on at least one or two hands, how many times Dallas has had a good team that could have maybe went all the way. Uh, AKA the 13 and three with Tony Romo. They've had a couple teams with that could have maybe made a run, but obviously talent evaluation coaching has been a problem. And obviously Jerry Jones is at the core of all that. So, I mean, I don't hate Dallas, but, uh, yeah, I know that he's definitely been kicking himself in the butt. He knows that he'd have way more rings on his fingers if he would, if he just would have gotten out of the way and just put his ego aside. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, argument for me, man, I, I, Definitely agree that it's his fault, man. But I mean, I don't think I don't think Wade Phillips was the best coach he hired after that. I think no, Bill, but I think it was Bill Parcells in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And Not counting. I, I kind of consider it still in that era, if you know what I mean. But no, I, I really I just No, I, I mean Yeah. I, I guess just from a I guess just counting that, I guess that season they had when they won 13 games, I guess I'm just counting that and maybe a couple other decent seasons after that and then everything went to crap after that. But 
Yeah, but I mean, I don't know, man. But I would I just, agree. I just yeah. don't. I just don't consider Wade Phillips the best coach because, like, not not saying the best coach, but to use what you said, the the best coach since Jimmy Johnson left, right? I just think every coach after that, with the exception of Bill Parcells, who I think was the best coach for his for what he wanted to do. You're trying to win. You're trying to control To. You was trying to get, you know, get a chance to win, man. And I just think he put them in a position. Although he was over the hill a little bit, but he wasn't going to let Jerry Jones control him, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And And that's why that didn't work out. And everybody that has been there has been a puppet for Jerry Jones. Think about it. Dave Campo, Barry Switzer. Uh, Wade Phillips for in a sense, Jason Garrett, Jason Garrett, Mike McCarthy. Now, Mike McCarthy. all these guys are puppets for Jerry Jones to control. Everybody else that kind of bucked the system, Jimmy Johnson, Bill Parcells, they all didn't want to, didn't really take what he was saying. This is my team, and he made it very difficult for them to do their job. Now that shows up on the field because every move that I make, you have a problem with it. We lose. Now I'm fired, but I really wasn't the issue. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So, like I said, I just think I just think he really just needs to get out of the way and just letting people do his thing, man. Because I think his time is running out because he's getting older, and his window is closing, man. And he might leave this planet with just three rings. But I do think that his son, if he takes over the reins, is going to be more open. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Not as not as controlling, but more understanding. Like, yo, look, what you need to win. Because I've seen, I've seen Stephen Jones talk, man. And... You can tell, you can look in his eyes like, man, some of the stuff that my dad doing, I just, I don't agree with it. I would have never done that. Now, he wouldn't say it publicly, obviously. That's his dad, right? Yeah. You can, but you, you can just talk about his demeanor and stuff. You can tell. I'm just like, man, I just wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that, man. I wouldn't have given him this much money. I wouldn't have done that. But can't do nothing because it's not your team yet. But like I said, mm-hmm. man, we're one of the best what ifs, man, because they could have changed the whole history of the NFL, man, if they would have been able to do it. You know, so like I said, man, so what you got, man? Your what if. <laughs> Mine is another pretty controversial topic that's trickling down to this team even to this day, four years later. Uh, just a Catch up for anybody who doesn't know. We're just gonna we're gonna talk about Andrew Luck. So if anybody doesn't know who Andrew Luck is, Andrew Luck was pretty much the second coming of Peyton Manning, regarded by many to be the second coming of Peyton Manning. And if you don't know who Peyton Manning is coming out of college, go on. That's you. a video for another day. <laughs> but but he was regarded to be generational. Undisputed number one quarterback in the draft. Obviously, RG3 went number two that year. Andrew Luck went number one to the Colts. Uh, Andrew Luck showed great promise. 
Very clutch. Probably one of the greatest fourth quarter comeback quarterbacks I've ever seen. Just knows how to put a team on his back and just get it done. But four years ago, uh, we're going into Frank Reich's second year after going 10 and six and finishing second in the division. And during a, a preseason game, everybody's thinking that uh, Andrew Luck is going to suit up and they're going to run it back and they have a really good chance to come out of the AFC. And all of a sudden, in the middle of a preseason game, we find out that Andrew Luck has decided to retire. Just up Thank out you. of nowhere. No warning. There was no hints to this at all. Uh, it completely shook the NFL by storm. It completely shook the Colts organization even to this day. Uh, Andrew Luck took a lot of hits in his career. That They took a long time to get an offensive line around him. Dude's got to be the toughest quarterback I've ever seen. A quarterback that can hit that many times, get up, still make throws, get up and tell every time he gets hit, hey, good hit, man, good hit, man. Welcome to Andrew Luck's Guide on How to Be a Polite Quarterback. Really winning. Dude, Andrew Luck just tough as nails. But, man, you got to think, they didn't start building a really good offensive line around him until his, his legit last season. They had Anthony Costanzo. And they went and they drafted Quentin Nelson high in the first round, which he's a he's all pro. He's going to be a Hall of Fame guard at left yeah. guard. And uh, man, he everybody remembers Andrew Luck putting the team on his back and running the table and making it to the AFC title game and facing Patriots. And obviously they came up short, but man, like Andrew Luck was supposed to be that guy, and everybody expected him to be in the league at least another decade or so and just take over. But uh. Man, I just think him getting hit so many times and him just feeling like the organization just was really not looking out for his health. Uh, didn't feel like they were really looking out for his his desire to win and compete. And I just think his passion just fizzled out, man. I think, and that's really that really sucks. You know, I mean, and I mean, Indianapolis has struggled ever since. So if we just look, just out of curiosity. Andrew Luck was the starting quarterback going into the 2018 season. Upon hearing that he was going to retire, 2019, they rode with Jacoby Brissett. That did not go well at all. Didn't even throw for 20 touchdowns, less than 3,000 yards. Not a very good season. Uh, they try to shake back with the roster they still have, and they signed Phillip Rivers in free agency, which, I mean, dude, they went 11-5. and five. They came right. in second in the division. He made them relevant again, and obviously it was just a one-year rental. And this is where things really take another hard turn. Right. Philip Rivers obviously retires. He's he's old, man. He's worn down. So they say, okay, we're going to go, and we're going to bring in another first-round pick, and they give Carson Wentz, I think, a two-year deal. And I think going into it, I think a lot of people were thinking, okay, maybe they can recapture. Maybe Frank Wright can help recapture what was he had in his – uh almost an MVP season for him with the Eagles. Uh, that ended in disaster. He was terrible at making decisions, just could not get his team in positions to win. There's not too much else to say about Carson Wentz, unfortunately. Uh, they move on from Carson Wentz, and then last year going into the regular season, they give Matty Ice a contract. And I think going into that, a lot of people are like, man, okay, Matt Ryan's been in Atlanta his entire career. He's been consistent. He can win games. Maybe a change of scenery with a Pro Bowl running back and some really good weapons. And obviously the Colts have a pretty solid unit on defense. 
man, maybe they could put it together and give Tennessee a run for their money. And, man, I mean, we've talked about it before. I, I don't think Matt Ryan has ever fully shaken back from the Super Bowl loss to the Patriots. I think that really did a number on his psyche and just how he reads defenses and makes decisions. Because, I mean, you can agree with me. He looks really, he looked really stiff in the pocket, just couldn't make decisions and just not – just not being productive, man. And the Colts, man, the Colts have not won this division since 2014. Yeah. Literally. That is the man. last time they won this division, 2014. Man, if I'm thinking, let's let's go back in time. Let's say Andrew Luck doesn't retire. Man, that changes everything. Because yeah. you look at all the guys they brought in, they started bringing guys in like Shaq Leonard and all these other guys on defense. They were building that defense. And once they brought Quentin Nelson in, they started building a good offensive line. Man, let's just start thinking. He already had T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton fell off and he started having a lot of injury issues after that. I think it had a lot to do with quarterback play and just the way they were playing. Man, they end up – they still had Eric Ebron. You end up drafting Michael Pittman, I think, a year – I think two years later. Man, if if Andrew Luck does not retire, this team is a perennial chance to run out of the AFC, especially when Tom Brady leaves New England and goes to Tampa. If Andrew Luck's still in Indy and he's still playing up to how he was playing, Indianapolis has legit chances to make it to the Super Bowl. Quite a few of those seasons, man. I don't think people realize how generational he was, man. Andrew Luck was tough as nails. He could make the throws. He had a strong arm, precision passing. He could roll out of the pocket if you needed him to. He's pretty much Aaron Rodgers on steroids a little bit. Just just big, solid, strong, great arm. And I think Indianapolis, and I think that's what really did Frank Reich in, man, because, like you said, their first year they went 10-6 and six with him. There was a lot of promising. Okay, cool, we got this new head coach. We have a, a perennial Pro Bowl quarterback. We've got a good defense. We're starting to build the offensive line. Now this is our time to start, man, next five years or so, man, we can really see ourselves coming out of the AFC, maybe having some Super Bowls. And it's like as soon as Andrew Luck retired, he took the pen and just popped that balloon. And just everything just fizzled out after that. And that's not nothing against him. I don't blame him for doing that. I mean, that it wasn't a very ideal situation, especially getting hit that much over so many years. Man, I'm going to get tired of getting hit. I'm not going to want to play anymore because it's like, man, what are y'all going to do for me? Like, I'm not sold. My passions done went down the drain. But, I mean, if he sticks it out, man, Andy's got a legit chance. They may have won another Super Bowl or two, especially with Tom Brady leaving. I think they have a legit case to say, you know, we – and Frank Reich's probably still in Indianapolis to this day if, you know, if that happens. Okay. Nah, man. Great points, man. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll unpack what you said, man. Obviously, that was a lot of, lot of information, but you know what? It's all facts. All facts, bro. All facts, man. He, he got hit a lot. The offensive line wasn't, wasn't uh, up to par, man. And it just almost too little, too late in a sense for uh, Andrew Luck, man. Uh, but my first thing I start with. I start with an organizational problem, man. Look, this is the same organization that couldn't draft John Elway, right? Mm -hmm. Same organization that couldn't do that, right? John Elway knew from the beginning, this is not an organization I want to play for. Whatever his reasons were, 
whatever. Maybe it's because he could play baseball. He could do that very well, whatever. Back in the Baltimore days. Right. But he already knew that this organization was not something he wanted to play for. Right there. So we'll start there. Organizational problems, man. At the top, they have not been one of the best organizations at the top. They've had great players, but at the top, they just never really never really invested in the team as much, which is why they left and became the Indianapolis Colts in the first place, right? So now, mm-hmm. we obviously, they've had Peyton Manning, such a great quarterback, champion, MVPs, all of that, right? But even with Peyton Manning, they didn't do right because I love Tony Dungy and some of his best years was based off of defense, right? They didn't have the best defenses, man. Like Peyton no, Manning. they didn't. I mean, they had, don't get me wrong, they had great players on defense. Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis, Gary Brackett, Bob Sanders. Antoine Bethea. Antoine Bethea, right? They've had great players. But their defense as a whole, not very good, man. And Peyton Manning. What's a situation like Grace had with the Saints? Same exact thing. Right. You got to do a lot, man. And I know for a fact that Peyton Manning should have way more than two Super Bowl appearances in a Colts uniform. I just, I know that. Like they've had. I think at least four. Offensively, they they were unstoppable, man. But they couldn't do nothing against your team, the Patriots. What did they have? Tom Brady was young, right? But he always had a good defense, man. I don't care Mm -hmm. what nobody says. The Patriots might have been bend but don't break. But, man, when it came to in them 20s, you wasn't getting in that end zone, man. So you might as well just get three Mm -hmm. more times than not. And you know Tom Brady's going to get you down the field, man. But for for, for Peyton Manning, he never really had that, right? So now you see the trend that I'm going in. All these quarterbacks, one didn't want to go there flat out. The other one, you didn't really give anything to. So what do we expect from Andrew Luck when he gets there? Oh, man, we got the second coming of Peyton Manning, right? Now, I personally was like, maybe they'll do right by Andrew Luck, right? Because he's, I thought physically he would be able to take punishment longer. Which he mm. did. He did. Peyton Manning didn't last that long because of the injury bug, right? They got rid of him to get Andrew Luck, right? Fine, mm-hmm. right? But I thought he would be able to take it longer. The fact is, it didn't even go like that. He took more punishment than Peyton Manning did. Than his way, way more. Way, way more in a much shorter time. Right, and even no matter how big you are, man, if you steady getting hit like that as a quarterback, man, you ain't going to last that long. So I'm actually glad he retired, man, because I was fearful that he was going to get knocked out and wouldn't be able to do anything anymore because they was hitting him so hard sometimes. I remember a game specifically, and I said, he's not going to last very long. They were playing against the Denver Broncos, man. It might have been a Monday night game. But I can count now. These were helmet to helmet hits, right? Before we start. That's before they started, yeah. Before we start outlawing all of that, man. But even with that even being the case, he was getting hit all game, and these were some hard hits, man. I mean, he was getting hit like double team hit. He was getting hit sliding. But the fact is that they never gave him the offensive line, man. 
like never gave him anything. Like he had a, maybe a, a some good running backs, man, but never really nothing, man. And when they traded for Trent Richardson, and I'm a Bama guy, so I <laughs> I thought I thought that would have been the thing that pushed them over the top. Because, <laughs> no, 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 no. But hear me out, though. Trent Richardson was coming from Cleveland, right? Cleveland is a dumpster fire. I'm not even worried about that. Yeah. Right? They're a dumpster fire franchise, man. They've always been like that. So I'm not worried about that. But Trent Richardson going there, I felt like it was a perfect fit, man. Think about it. Not not the result of what happened, but at the time of the trade, you can't tell me that that wasn't a good trade because they needed a running back. And he was already coming off some really productive seasons, like almost, I think, a thousand yards in three straight seasons. You know what I'm saying? Imagine if he, and I'm thinking, okay, they got Andrew Luck and now they got a good running back. Man, this is going to be good. But it turns out, man, Trent Richardson just wasn't that good, man. And it might have not have been Cleveland, bro. It just might have been. He just wasn't a good running back, man. And I mean, after he fumbled in that playoff game, man, and they ended up losing, that was it, bro. That was it for Trent Richardson, man. And I love me some Trent. I thought he, out of all the running backs that came from Bama in the early stages, he was going to be the best one because he had everything. He had speed. He had power. He had agility. He had everything. And he could pass block, and he could catch out the backfield. I thought he had everything, man. But – Sometimes it just don't work out like that, man. But those couple things, man, just really derailed them, man. And they just mm-hmm. couldn't recover, man. And now you look at it, we got them, you know, after Andrew Luck retires, obviously you got them trying to fix a, a leak, man, that turned into a flood, you know. And now mm-hmm. the whole foundation is flooded, man. Now you went through Frank Reich. Now you got a new guy, you know, like – Man, what what else are we gonna do now? You know, like we we got this young guy Anthony Richardson, we got this you know this you know Gardner Minshew like we were talking about before we got on here. It's it they have chances to really just fix everything, but they have a good team. But that's what I'm saying. The Colts have always had great players, always had great teams, and the fact that they only have two Super Bowl appearances. And that was before Andrew Luck got there. It's just crazy to me. Like, I understand you have mm-hmm. to go through the Chargers. You have to go through the Patriots. You yeah, have but, to go through. Yeah, but, dude, like, there's but, no way. But there's, like like I said, I there's said, no way. If he doesn't leave, if he doesn't leave, they're going to run the table when Brady leaves the AFC, dude. Because Brady left like a year after that. They're going to run the table. And they may win one. You never know. But I mean, he was burnt out. His body was bruised. Man, he just he just didn't want to play anymore. And I don't blame him at all. I don't either. Because like you said, they drafted Anthony Costanzo, who I thought was a finesse tackle at best. But I mean, hey, whatever. You needed a left tackle, man. You gotta protect your quarterback, right? Fine. I'm good with that. Then you got Quentin Nelson, right? You know, but I just think they should have learned from their mistake ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Peyton Manning, at the end of his career, had taken a lot of punishment. 
Okay. He freaking had a neck injury. He got messed up bad. Exactly. So you already know that a person of his stature, if he has a neck issue later on in his thing, you could only imagine what else he was dealing with. So you telling me that we got we've been lucky enough like to get another generational quarterback and mm-hmm. we're not gonna protect them better. I don't I just think that's organizational, man. And that's one of the complacency. Yep, like complacency to think that, well, well, yeah, we'll just win because we got a quarterback. We don't have to protect him that much, you know. Like, dude, it's a reason why it's a reason why Tom Brady has a bunch of championships, man. Because not only offensive line. Offensive line, man. I mean, think about the names, man. Logan Mankins, Damian Woody. I mean, those are just some names. Matt Light. Matt Light. Joe Toon. You know what I'm saying? These are un these are unsung heroes, but they keep their quarterback jersey clean. And there's no reason why Andrew Luck shouldn't be playing right now. Like there's no reason why. He's that good. And all you had to do was just protect him, man. And they didn't want to do that. And now here they are, man, trying to hopefully protect Anthony Richardson, but not just protect him, dog, because that's not going to be his issue. His issue is them teaching him how to play quarterback. That's the that's the biggest thing. Andrew Luck, you ain't well, to you teach gotta, him. you got to – your coach, at least your coach is good for being able to develop Jalen Hurts. Sean Steichen really helped develop him more, even more as a passer. Exactly. So I'm hoping that they can do that for him. But also, man, protect him, man, when he's trying to pass because that's not a comfortable place for him. You know, he's a football player, but he needs to be a better quarterback. That's always we don't want it to turn into we don't want it to turn into an RG three situation where they weren't protecting him and he felt like he had to use his legs and ended up blowing his knee out and completely ruining his career. See Look, we guys, we could go into RG three so much, man. But but I'm just saying, but I'm just saying that's gosh, a situation that, we want to avoid. That was, gosh, man, that's that could be another what if scenario, man. But there's so many layers to that that we can't, we couldn't even get into mm-hmm. that in this show right now. We couldn't. But we don't want him. But we don't want. But we don't. But they don't want their quarterback to go through something like that because of complacency and not paying attention. Yeah, because it could, I mean, could happen. I don't want it to happen, but no, I don't want it to happen either. Because we've seen scenarios like this all the time, man. You get this fancy new toy at quarterback that can do so much and exciting, man. But what's what happened in Atlanta with Michael Vick, man? What's what happened, man? Like he was so talented, but nobody wanted to teach him how to play quarterback, though. Like nobody nope. wanted to teach him, you know. Like, he could have been a way better passer than that, man. Way better. He had a cannon for an arm. If you just teach him how to play quarterback just a fraction of a bit better, he probably has a longer career, man. Not saying he wouldn't get in trouble or anything, but maybe if he was actually studying, maybe he wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or he could have maybe made him more of a run with the Eagles. You never know. Exactly, man. Exactly. So, you never know, man. Like I said, but I just I don't, don't know what want, else. I just don't want him to end up, as you say, like RG three. I just want him to learn how to play. So when his athleticism goes away, man, he can still be a baller, man. 
He could be, mm-hmm. he can run when he wants to. You know what I'm saying? Because I saw that we saw that with Cam Newton too, man. Like Cam Newton was such a great player, man. And yeah, and but those injuries started racking up. The injuries start racking There's up. There's a bad Why? back injury. But... Why? Because his athleticism went away. And when he went mm-hmm. to the Patriots, he tried to be a quarterback. And he never really learned how to do it. Never really learned how to do it at the top of his game. Like people, I hate when people go into like quarterback play. And I'm speaking for the dual threat guys, right? The dual threat guys. And even I, I will, I will even say the African American quarterback, man. For me, it, it makes me mad because they don't want to, they don't want to teach him. And some don't want to learn either. And I'm just like, I look at people like Mate, Warren Moon. Warren Moon was so good at quarterback, bro. And it makes me upset because it's like he learned how to play the position. Like he was a trailblazer mm-hmm. for the position, man. People don't understand that. And like that's just it just it, it messes me up, man, because he was a trailblazer for the position. And take that, take that, want to learn, teach them. Teach them how to play quarterback, man, so they can have longer careers. Their athleticism is not going to be there. That's what happened to Tom Brady. Tom Brady is not an athlete, <laughs> but he lasted how long? Yeah. 20-something years. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you just got to you gotta one, want it, and then you got to be able to take coaching, man. And I think that's a lot of the problem with some of these guys. But like I said, I digress, man, on my quarterback rant. But <laughs> I swear, I just oh, I, I would love for them to just teach him how to play, man, moving forward, man. But like I said, great, great what if scenario because I think Andrew Luck would have been awesome for them, man. I don't even think we're having this conversation if they would have just protected him just a little bit, man. Just a little bit. I don't care if you got to buy an offensive line like the Bengals did this year or last offseason. Hey, but, but, but Cincinnati learned. They had those first. So, obviously, his first season, he got beat up. He tore his freaking ACL. He was out. They went on a run to the Super Bowl. They got to the Super Bowl and realized, man, we could have won if we could have just protected him a little bit more. So, what did they do last season and this season? They've been beating that offensive line up. They were even trying to, man, like they figured it out quick because they realized we have a prodigy. We have a really, really good quarterback. We want to win, but we need to make sure he's our best chance to win. So we need to do yeah. everything in our power to protect him. And I'm glad that I'm glad I'm I'm sorry that that happened, to Andrew Luck. And I'm really happy that he's doing better now because nobody ever talks about Andrew Luck because Andrew Luck completely goes off the grid. But It needed to happen for a lot of these other quarterbacks like Joe Burrow to get the protection that he needs. You know what I mean? Like, yo, I need some help. (laughs) Tired of hearing, look out (laughs) while we playing. Tired of hearing that. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Look out. Like, nobody wants to hear that. Especially Mm -hmm. on your blind side. Nobody wants to hear that. I'm about to get Mm -hmm. messed up. And that happened to Andrew Luck a lot, man. But like I said, let's transition into this top five segment, man. Our what if series, man. It starts. That was awesome, man. 
So, but it's always time for this top five, man. So I want you to do the honors, man. Tell the people what this top five is today. So we posted it on a lot of lists, but I've made a pretty deep top. It's one I've wanted to do for quite some time. And there are a lot of guys that you could put on this list. And we've made our own list for whatever specific reasons, whatever specific scenarios. But the top five today is the worst, is the worst free agent signings in NFL history. No, it's not specific to conference, not specific to divisions, NFL history. We've seen so many guys get signed to crazy contracts in the worst of situations. And these are going to be the worst of the worst that we've compiled. All right. Hey. All right, start us off, man. Let's see what you got. So I've got I've got five guys, and I've got an honorable mention. And I feel I like I could have moved a lot of these guys up. And I moved these guys a lot of up and down, up and down. But I think I've come to a, a decent place. So as my honorable mention, I've got Neil O'Donnell with the Jets. Mm. That was a bad one. Neil O'Donnell. Nobody knows who Neil O'Donnell is. Played with the Pittsburgh Steelers before. Let help lead the Steelers to a Super Bowl win in Super Bowl 30. Turns around, cashes out with the Jets. He gets a five-year, $25 million deal. Now, a lot of people are going to say, oh, it's not that much money. But back then, a five-year deal with that much money, that's a big-time investment. Yeah. Man, coming off of a Super Bowl 33, he comes in the, to New York, only starts six games, gets injured. Starts six games, gets injured, and the team finishes 1-15. and 15. So you tied up that much to get front into a quarterback. He doesn't even play a full season. Doesn't even play a half of a season. And your team goes and wins one game. Pretty much pretty much like 2008 Detroit Lions bad. And you tied that much money into a quarterback. Now, like, you don't realize how bad that is. You brought in a guy to help you win. And he starts six games. And you mean to tell me all year all you win is one game? This is that period of time where the Jets were just dealing with up and down, up and down, mediocrity. They just could not figure it out, especially at the quarterback position. I feel like they couldn't figure it out until they got Chad Pennington years and years later. They right. became somewhat relevant. But that's that's my honorable mention. It's a pretty crazy situation. Uh, my number five, my number five, I got DeMarco Murray. Ugh, with the Eagles, right? He turns around. DeMarco Murray runs for over 1,800 yards with Dallas, dude. He goes nuts. He was a beast in college. Man, that Cowboys offense was prolific. He was running through and around everybody. Uh, doesn't end up getting the money that he wants from Dallas, so he turns around and signs a five-year, $40 million contract with the Eagles, and they're thinking, oh, man, we've got him. We've got Ryan Matthews. We've got all these guys. We're going to the Super Bowl. And on paper, a lot of people thought at the time, oh, man, did the Eagles just literally steal that from Dallas? They're going to run the table. This dude, like we said, he won the Offensive Player of the Year with the Cowboys, ran for like 1,850 yards, turns around and only rushes for 702 yards the previous – I mean, the, the year after. It they, they had signed Vince Young. They had Michael Vick. They had DeMarco Murray. They – it fell completely flat on its face. It, it, it was it, it pretty much stopped the train tracks before it even got started. It 
it was in that era. I think that was with Chip Kelly, the where they just they just could not figure out how to get it going. They had so much talent up and down the board, both sides of the ball. And this felt like this was going to be the move that really put them over the edge. And uh, yeah. and there's another move on this list that the Eagles are involved in. Another head decision. This one really felt like it was going to put them over the edge to go all the way, and they just, just could not get it done, unfortunately. I agree. I agree. My, uh, my number three is usually a little bit higher on a lot of other people's lists. I've got a, I've got Le'Veon Bell at three. Okay. Okay. Nah. A guy that was regarded as the top three to five back, man, he could do it all. He could run. He could catch. He could block. And that killer bees offense with Ben Roethlisberger. You had Antonio Brown. You had Le'Veon Bell. Dude, nobody could stop them. Their problem wasn't even offense at the time. Their defense just could not get it done for them. Uh, obviously, we all know Le'Veon Bell had a contract disputes with Pittsburgh. He did not want to sign up. He did not want the fr- – I think they signed him to a franchise tagger too. And uh, they just did not want to give him his money. They gave him a lucrative deal. I guess they just felt like they didn't want to overpay. And uh, Le'Veon Bell to sit out an entire year, which is unheard of at that point. Sits out an entire year. And uh, turns around and signs a four-year, $52 million deal with the Jets. And we're thinking, oh, man, man, he can plug and play. The Jets might actually have a decent offense. We're like, okay, cool, whatever. And, dude, it went absolutely nowhere. He Mm -hmm. didn't take into account sitting out an entire year of not playing football at all. He completely threw his career away. And, I mean, when you guys are watching this, I think in the last week or two, he came out and he said, you know what, I, I messed up. I should have I should have put my ego aside. I should have signed whatever deal to keep the band together. Because yeah. I feel like I'm not gonna say Antonio Brown wouldn't have went crazy, but if Le'Veon Bell stays, you may not have a lot of the other controversy. They might be able to talk him down and figure it out. Yeah. You never know. I mean, he a key yeah. contributor to offense, you know, make runs to the AFC title game. I mean, but him yeah. sitting out a year and then them this crazy they paid him that much money after not playing for an entire season. I've got him at number three. You could have anywhere between three and one in you, but I've got him at three. Yeah, they made some bad moves, man. The Jets got CJ Mosley from my Ravens too at that same time. So CJ Mosley oh. been okay at best. <laughs> and the crazy thing is on number four. So we're gonna go right into number four. Oops. Okay. <laughs> number four. Is it a bonehead Eagles move? Okay, okay. Namdi, yeah. For a lot of you younger guys watching, Namdi Asawa, when he was with the Oakland Raiders, was locked down. This dude was in the same discussions as like guys like Darrell Revis and Champ Bailey and all these, like just locked down. He was one of the key cornerstones of that Raiders defense. There wasn't a whole lot to talk about with that team at the time because obviously that, that that's a whole video in itself. Man, he was a perennial pro bowler, all pro, thought to be questionably the best corner in the league. And when Oakland didn't read, they couldn't agree the terms, he turns around and signs a fifth, five-year, $60 million deal million, with the yep. Eagles. Yep, I remember. And everybody's yep. and just in the same thing with Murray, we're thinking, dude, this is the piece. We question we might have gotten the best corner in a secondary where we've had guys like Brian Dawkins and Lito Shepard and all we're thinking, oh, this defense is gonna be so good. And man, he came out completely flat. 
never got started at all. He was a shell of himself. Dude, two years he was there, they went 12 and 20 in those two years that he was there. It was bad, bro. That defense, he did not help that defense out whatsoever. Man, for a guy that me and you probably considered, for a guy that me and you would have considered as kids to be, man, this guy's freaking awesome. He yeah. turned around and it was like it was night and day, completely different. And you gotta think he signed that big five year deal, and after two years, they flat out released him. So you know, we just don't want to pay you no more. You're just not worth what we're paying you, man. The oh, Eagles. Oh, they had to pay him though. They had to pay him. They, paid no, they him. had to pay him, but they didn't want to keep up the roster spot. Uh-uh. But man, uh-uh. the Eagles are just—they were, and not so much recently. But man, they were notorious forgiven these guys just why why are you signing this guy or why are we giving and i mean some of it's unfortunate circumstances i mean dude nobody was going to predict that you would have paid Nandi Asamoah and DeMarco Murray and that neither one of those situations would have worked out yeah both were great signings but man, just for whatever reason they just could not figure it out at all crazy okay. i but to 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 just to throw some some pushback on DeMarco Murray, I, I think his failure was more schematically than anything because people don't understand he ran a whole different offense. He was a whole different running back with Dallas, right? But he was so different because he was running in the eye formation, bro, single back eye formation. So he could just come downhill. So when you think about that and you think about Chip Kelly and being the head coach at the time, all his runs come out of what? The read option or a zone read, which is a totally different running back. He is a downhill runner, which means north and south. Ain't no dodging, ain't none of that. So when you take a guy and his first step is sideways, he ain't going nowhere from the beginning. So the fact that the fact that he signed for that much was crazy, but I liked it anyway. But I liked it. If they had Andy Reid as head coach, not not uh not Chip Kelly, because Chip Kelly was just he was trying to run his offense in in the NFL. And we've seen that happen how many times? Steve Spurrier, you know what I'm saying? We've seen it with uh a bunch of other guys, uh Cliff Kingsbury, we've seen it with him. Try to run your offense in college in, in NFL. Don't work. And that was a, just a, a a bad example of trying to force your offense on players that you've signed when you should just play with the players you got, man. As simple as that. But I wouldn't have hired Chip Kelly anyway because I just thought no. – I just thought – And, and I mean, I think, I think that that had a lot to play into it. But at the same time, I think at the same time, I think he still got decent looks. I know he didn't – I know all of his runs weren't strictly in read option. I know they did run some single back and stuff like that too. Uh, and he still just seemed just like he just didn't know what yeah, was going on. Wait. And I thought he was a healthy running back. But I think, like you said, I do think coaching and positioning had a lot to do with it. But I definitely can remember watching Eagles games and they would just line him up behind like quarterback and just it would just wasn't working. I just think it was just doing the start. I thought it in theory was a good fit, but it just didn't happen. Just they just couldn't put it together for it to work. Yeah, like I said, I'm I'm not I'm not arguing that that he didn't contribute to this being a horrible signing because he did. But I thought it was coaching too, man. But it didn't work out either, man. Shoot, if you get paid $45 million, dog, you better figure it out. <laughs> so, so, 
My uh, my number two, I've got Brock Osweiler at number two. Interesting. When he signed that big man, if you got Brock Osweiler is, I played at Arizona State. Was an okay quarterback coming out of college. No big hype. And Denver was having issues with quarterback at the time. I think no, this was okay. This is when Peyton Manning was starting to have issues. He was starting to be on the decline. So they yeah. had a seven-game stretch. A set, yeah, a seven-game stretch where Osweiler had to play. And in those yeah. seven starts, he went five and two. Five he two, didn't yeah. look that bad. But man, this yeah. guy's tall, but you know, he can make throws. Uh so after that season, obviously Denver wins the Super Bowl. Houston says, okay, well, you seem like you could really be a franchise guy. Houston opens up the pocketbook and gives this man $72 million over four years. At the time, before, obviously, now we're seeing big contracts. At the time, man, like how we were going crazy over Deshaun Watson's contract, that's how we were looking at Brock Osweiler, like $72 million. What is going on? And hey, I mean, my, dude, man, like, my man's on ESPN right now. Let's just say that. <laughs> two crazy, two crazy stats. Yeah. About his time in Houston. Two crazy stats. When he joined Houston, he threw more interceptions and touchdowns, and he averaged, averaged less than 200 yards passing a game. Ugh. And that's a quarterback that you opened the pocketbook and gave $72 million over a four-year span. He was not proven. Denver had a great offensive line. They were loaded with freaking weapons with guys like Demarius Thomas, Julius Thomas. Uh, yeah, like they were loaded in an offense that was built for Peyton Manning. And from a, a body standpoint, yeah, Osweiler was kind of a, the same frame. Tall guy, good arm, can throw. You know, he could, he could drop a ball in a bucket. But going to Houston, and this is right after, I think, the Matt Schaub era. And, man, he completely just destroyed that offense. They had nothing going at all. You could Think about that. $72 million for a guy that literally proved nothing. Like, at all. And, man, that really set Houston back for a while until they wised up and they drafted John Watson. Uh, man, you know I what's just, crazy? They still messed it up. <laughs> yeah, they still found a way to mess it up. They still messed it but up. But I think now, obviously, and me and you talked about Houston, they've obviously kind of overcome a lot of that divert. I mean, some of that, uh, I want to say, it, a lot of that adversity. And obviously, they've gotten themselves a young, promising head coach. They've gotten themselves maybe the pro rate quarterback in this year's draft. I like where Houston's at now. But man, at this time, dude, everybody just wanted to throw a book at the wall and be like, dude, what are you doing? And that's just them, bro. But, uh, <laughs> my my number one, my number one man. This guy was compared to be the next Reggie White. He was said he was going to be Reggie White 2.0. Uh, he had a pretty stellar uh, stellar career with Tennessee Titans. He was said to be the next greatest pass rusher, and that man is Albert Hainsworth at number one. Albert Hainsworth was. On those great Tennessee Titans teams where they were winning 12, 13 games, he was a key contributor, man. He was disruptive. What? He was a key contributor to them pushing that offensive line, man. He just he would disrupt everything. And Tennessee didn't want to fork out the money. And at this time, the salary cap was a bit different. How much they were paying players was still pretty astronomical at the time. 
they opened it up and gave this man seven years. That's a long contract to start with. $100 million over seven years. And when I tell you that this never worked at all, he could not get pressure. He was not always available. Man, when I say people were looking at Dan Snyder and the general manager at the time, I forget who it was, and they were just looking like, what in the hell are we doing? Why are we forking out this much money? And it goes back to what me and you said about Washington in previous videos, that they just they were not smart with free agent signings. They were just they were content with being a middle of the road, maybe compete every once in a while type of team. Hey man, a seven year deal for any player is a stretch. Seven years, you shouldn't be paying a guy that long. That that's already low risk. Like that's no reward barely at all. A hundred million dollars for a defensive tackle. Yeah. That I mean, yeah, maybe one or two good years before that. That's a high risk, like not as high of reward, man. And he definitely yeah. made them wish they would have never given him that set them back a long time. Yeah. It took a while for Washington to come back from that. Because you got to think, this is the R3. And they were still in the crapshoot with that man. He set them back a long time. It, it's, it's Jamarcus Russell-esque with how much money they got tied up to with him and got absolutely no return in it. Uh, there's so many of these guys that just flat out fell on their face. But, man, when I just think of horrible free agent signings, and when you think Albert Hainsworth, I think of the duration of the contract. I think of the money. I think of a horrible situation that what they were in to give him a contract like that, and they got absolutely no return from it at all. That showed no fruition of positivity for that team whatsoever. Hey man, I can't I can't argue with it, man. All right, so obviously we discussed Marco Murray, but uh, let me discuss the Albert Hainsworth, man. That was trash, man. That was trash. That that was that was about as trash as you can get, man. Uh, I'm I'm not apologizing for what I'm saying, man. But when you pay a guy that much and he come into training camp and don't pass his PT test, that's a red flag, bro. That's you can't you can't even pass your conditioning test, bro. A hundred million, man. Look, I'll be ready for every test you want to give me for a hundred million dollars, man. You telling me I gotta do a conditioning test and I can't pass it, bro? Nah, man. Red flag, man. That was already. But you know what? His production wasn't even worth that. Like if you think if you think about the whole picture, right? Think about the whole picture. He wasn't even um productive enough for a hundred million, man. He averaged no, like he five, was really good with that kind season. of money. Yeah, he was like five, six sacks a season, bro. Like like, yeah, all right, cool. Maybe we'll be good against the run. But as far as you being an interior pass rusher, nah, bro. Nah, you ain't on Warren Sapp level. Like, and that's yeah, the guy. The game was transitioning to the edge rushers, man. You didn't right. get guys in the middle being able to do that. Right, but you know what? That's Dan Snyder and his, his spending ways, man. But he up out of there, so they ain't got to worry about that. But. Like I said, man, it, it was a horrible era, man, for for him, and that was one of his worst signings, man. So, um, man, that but that was a good list, man. Like I said, man, we're gonna have a few, a few uh, of the same, which is pretty cool, man, because usually our lists kind of are are like uh, <laughs> they mirror each other. So, but 
This one's gonna be a little different, man. So, all right. So, my honorable mention of my top five worst free agents is Larry Brown, man, of the Cowboys. We speaking of the Cowboys earlier with my what if scenario, right? So here's a what if, right? So what if he just stayed in the Cowboys? He might be one of the best cornerbacks of all time, right? But when you win three Super Bowls, guess what? I'm going to try to cash in on my, my Super Bowl rings. You feel me? So he signed a five-year, $12 million deal, right? Doesn't seem like a lot, right? But for a Super Bowl MVP, man, all right. We spent a little bit of money for you. And today's money, that's probably about $40 million, Maybe give or take a couple million, right? But that's a lot back then for a Super Bowl MVP, right? Why not? But for the Raiders, he was absolutely trash, man. Why? Because he was not a man coverage corner. That man was his own coverage corner. So now, instead of you saying you own Jerry Rice, Jerry Rice own you because you can't cover him, man, oh, man. But in a zone, you can. And he got cooked by just about everybody. And let's just say that contract didn't work out at all. So honorable mention, mm-hmm. Larry Brown, uh, Super Bowl MVP. Let's go and say that. But after that, nothing. So, all right, five. Albert Hansworth for me, man. I think you said enough about him, but seven years, $100 million, not good at all. That's not a good investment, and they paid for that. Let's just say that, man. And he went and played for your Patriots, and I don't think that was much better, was it? So We didn't him nearly as much. Nah, not <laughs> at all, man. And he, ain't do, he ain't do much, man. So we have already discussed Albert Hainsworth, but he's number five on my list. That was absolutely trash. He was not worth it at all. So number four on my list is uh, David Boston, man. David Boston, yeah. I think that was about 20, uh, not 20, uh, 2003, four or whatever. So, all right, mm-hmm. I played Madden as a kid, right? My first Madden was 2003. David Boston was probably the highest rated receiver on the game. He was about... 95-ish, something like that. But if you look at his stat card on the game, he had two years of 100 catches, over 1,500 yards, and multiple touchdowns. So when you think of the contract he got from San Diego, which is seven years, $47 million, can you blame him? Can you blame him, though? No. You can't blame him, right? But after that, mm-mm. Nope, he didn't even reach 100 catches, not once. And you know what's crazy? They had Drew Brees and they had LaDainian Thompson at the time. So you telling uh-huh. me you can't play? The ball is open. They got players. They got Tim Dwight. He on the team. You know, he's a he's a great slot receiver. So you can't tell me you wasn't wide open because they got weapons everywhere. So – yeah, mm-hmm. seven years, $47 million in today's money that'll probably be approaching 80, 90, maybe. So, yeah, trash. Didn't even last that long, mm-hmm. man. I don't need, I think he got cut year three of that deal. So, something like that, yeah. No, nah, but bad free agent signing, man, by San Diego. Didn't work out. Number three on my list, we spoke on uh, Brock Eiswaller. Uh, 71 million for a guy that had a nice little stretch, man. Uh, nah, nah, bro. 
not good, man. He was not as good as advertised, man. And I don't even know why they even thought that. Yeah, he was like six, seven, or whatever. He could pass or whatever, but he wasn't mobile. He had a horrible delivery, which means he was going to be late on a lot of throws. And seventy-one million for a guy that really didn't earn that. I don't, I don't like that at all, man. But that's the Houston Texans for you, and that's exactly what they do. They just don't do down protect quarterbacks, and they surely don't sign good ones. So, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. bad signing. That, that's number three on my list, Brock Osweiler. Number two, this will surprise you, but I'm going to go Jeff Garcia for the Browns, man. Jeff, yeah, I just – Go ahead. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you think. What you think? No, no, I'm not pushing back. I want I, there was consideration to put him in there for his stint with Cleveland, but I'm gonna let you explain it. All right, so let me get into Jeff Garcia for a minute, right? All right, the 49ers come off uh Joe Montana, Steve Young, and Jeff Garcia was supposed to be that continuation of that dynasty, right? And he was a perfect West Coast quarterback, man. He was Awesome, man. He was smart. He knew how to throw. He was actually more athletic than Joe and Steve, if you think about it. He had a nice little movement. He wasn't slow. He was athletic, man. He wasn't he was a runner. Different. Yeah, he wasn't a runner, but he could run that, that quarterback play action rollout. He could definitely do that. And, you know, it's a case in point of you just being surrounded by talent. Think about it. He had T.O. He had Garrison Hurst at the time. Uh, Jerry Rice later on in his career, but still productive. Mm-hmm. He had a great defense. They had some great players. And you go into the Cleveland Browns. Now, anybody who's watched this program understands that I'm not a Cleveland Brown fan. I don't like them. <laughs> they've done some really trash things. And since they came back to Cleveland, they've had over 30 starting quarterbacks. Keep in mind, they came back in 1999. We're in 2023, people, and uh, that's 30 starting quarterbacks in your franchise. Not a good number. And Jeff Garcia was one of those. They signed him for four years, $25 million. Not good. Maybe for him, but not good when you consider that what you put around him. He just left T.O., Jerry Rice, Garrison Hurst. You know, to name a few, these are Pro Bowl players. You go to Cleveland, you know. Who you got? Nobody. <laughs> and he only lasted for about six games or something like that. Wasn't much. And he was out the door. So that's four years, $25 million you could have saved. Not good. Mm-hmm. Not at all. So number two on my list of worst signings, man. Just set him back more money, more years. And that's about it, man. But number one, man, it's going to surprise you, man. Scott Mitchell. Now. Yeah, I knew you was. I had a feeling. I wanted to put him, and I know how you feel about him. So let, let me let me explain, Scott Mitchell. If you haven't understood, haven't watched this program before, Scott Mitchell was a pretty bad quarterback, man. Let's just say that. I'll say that. Uh, being nice as I could be, man. Uh, he signed. I think it was four years, something like that, eleven million, which doesn't seem like much, right? But let me put this into context, right? So, in 1990, they drafted Andre Ware at quarterback, right? Seventh overall, Heisman winner, crazy arm, could do everything, right? You telling me 
that you're going to give up on a guy that you never played at all. Let's just keep in mind, he didn't play that much because of the organizational turmoil, right? But he didn't play, and you just get rid of him and sign Scott Mitchell. You deserve to be you deserve to be number one if you're on this list because you you decide to not play a first overall pick right, and then you you sign Scott Mitchell who proceeds to throw fifty seven interceptions within his tenure. And you have how many Sanders. years is that again? I think he signed for like three three years something like that. It's something around three or four. Yeah. And 57 interceptions within his time. And mm -hmm. let's keep in mind, you got Herman Moore at receiver, pretty good guy, 1,000 catches, I believe, 10,000 yards. Barry Sanders at running back. And and, and, and you, you go 57 picks, dog? Now, keep in mind, look, they went through a lot of coaches, man, but at the same time, bro, ain't no way. Ain't no way. No, nah, 57 <laughs> picks, bro? No, nah, you just surprised. Trash, dog. Trash. Ain't no way. And you seemingly <laughs> just gave up on your first overall pick, which you could have used for somebody else. So, number one on my list, Scott Mitchell, Detroit, the worst free agent signing ever. And, uh, yeah, man, like I said, you could throw some other guys out there, man. Um, uh, Jimmy Graham, when he wanted to get his money and he left the Saints. Yeah. Well, yeah. they traded him actually, though. They gave him that big deal, and then they traded him off. And now, oh, hey, like ten years later, it's like, hey, dude, how about you come back? Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, he threw online green in there when he left. Um, when he left uh, Green Bay, That's a good he went one. to Houston. Javon Walker too. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, man, so many bad signings. I Adam Archuleta when he signed another bad Washington signing. Uh, Jeff George, when he went to Washington, another bad signing. Like, I mean, dude, it's been horrible <laughs> signings, man. Like, that just didn't play out. But if you're talking about today, I would say Kenny Galladay for the New York Giants. They signed him about 60 million. That's a really bad one. Yeah, that's a bad one. Not top five, S, but if you look at it, if you look it's not top five, S, but when you look at it, yeah. Taking going off of today, yeah, because you got to think like he was productive, but you got to think the offense you were running and your quarterback are completely different. You should have never gave. I, I didn't have a problem with them signing him, but that much money, like that was that that wasn't called for at all. Nah, man. And then the fact that you signed him and he don't even play at all. Like when Dayball got there, he stopped playing him. So that shows me that. You really wanted they cut him. Yeah. <laughs> they released him. They didn't want to deal with that no more. Yeah. So like he's never happy. Exactly. So, but like I said, man, some NFL worst NFL signings, man. I just I just think you you gosh, you can't you you can't be spending money like this, man. And they ain't spending money back in the day, man. But now these uh these salaries and contracts are getting even bigger, man. So you got to know. We're going to be having a much different conversation a few years from now. Yeah, man. But you know what? Your DeMarco Mary one was actually something we can get into our closing argument segment, man. Because that 
is why running backs are not getting paid what they want to get paid nowadays. Look at that. Right there. That is the peak. That's the peak scenario of why running backs aren't getting paid, man. 44, $45 million, right? No production. And you supposed to be our feature back? Nah, man. When I can get three of you <laughs> and do the same thing and win. That's why the Patriots won, man. Why they win? Yeah, you have to have a workhorse. We had James White. You had like Jonas Gray. You had all kinds of guys. Like, uh, what's the little guy? Deion Lewis. Yeah, Deion Lewis was really good for us too. Yeah, Danny. Kevin Paul. You know, like I mean, the last even even when they did have Corey Dillon, right? Even when they had Corey Dillon, they had um. Yeah, we had Corey Dillon and Kevin Falk. Yeah, Kevin Falk. Yep, and and um, and even when they had Kevin Falk, they had Antoine Stewart. I think his name Antoine Stewart, something like that. One of those names. But something like that. Yeah, but they always ran by running back by committee, right? So my thing is, yeah. everybody's upset about the running backs not getting their money when we sign people to big deals and they don't pay it out. You know. I hate to keep beating up Amon Green, but that was just a bad signing, man. And these owners and GMs are getting smarter. So they get mm -hmm. and they don't want to do that. They would rather win with three guys running the ball than just one dude that can possibly do it all, man. And I think when you think now, about you're talking Saquon, that's a whole different conversation, though. I mean, look, okay, so look, my thing on Saquon, Brad, since we in on the running back. I give Saquon the money. I would. I would because it's people that are different, okay? You got Adrian mm, Peterson. That's right? what I'm saying. Different. LaDainian Thomason, different. Marshall, different. Edron James, different. You know, Eddie George, different. These are different guys, right? We're not talking about uh Le'Veon Bell, you know, who I actually would have given money to, right? But different dudes, man. Like different dudes. Like I just didn't like how he went about it. I would have given him the money because if you look mm -hmm. at his numbers, uh 52% of the offense ran through him. So I mean mm -hmm. he had a legitimate argument about being the highest paid running back. And I'm not upset at that i'm just upset at how he went about it you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. and i get it I, I get it wholeheartedly man i would have been mad too if the numbers came back and i'm 52 percent of the offense i like to be paid 52 percent of the offense work you know but when you look mm -hmm. at certain things it's just you need a different guy and saquon is in that category that's different he's a difference maker you give him the ball at any point of the field he can take it to the house right but the difference between all mm -hmm. these guys is that they were available. Eddie George didn't miss a lot of games. Ladanian didn't miss that many games. You know, Marshall Falk didn't really miss any games. You know what I'm saying? But they were available. And that's what's hurting him in his contract dispute right now. His availability. He ain't just get hurt, man. You talk about an ACL injury, man. That is something serious for a running back because what he does used to be the kiss of death. You know, 
every everything that he does that makes him a different running back is predicated on his agility mm-hmm. and his speed. You know, so if you can't have those things, how can we invest in you like that? You know, but I would take my chances. He's one of those guys I take my chances on, man. But if you're talking about somebody like that needs to get paid, I say Austin Eckler, man. I mean, he's one of those dudes that I consider different, man. He does everything. He's a dude that catch the ball. And it's the same thing with, it's, he's the same guys like Christian McCaffrey, multidimensional. They contribute to the offense in so many ways yes, that if yes. you don't have that guy, your offense is going to be completely yeah, one-dimensional. If you're if you're just a guy, right? Just a guy like Leonard Fournette, for for instance, right? Leonard Fournette to mm. me, one trick pony, right? You just run the ball. That's it. Never really, you know, use him in a passing game. You don't really consider him an A-list running back. You wouldn't give him this much money. That's why they go running back by committee. Ronald Jones, some other dudes down there. But one guy, one guy doing just running the ball, just not gonna do that, man. And I don't get me wrong, I think Leonard Fournette's talented, but you just can't invest in a guy that's a one-trick pony, man. That's it. You can't. It's just not gonna win. The game's different. With you how know? pass heavy, with how pass heavy the NFL is and quarterback friendly it is, you have to have guys. If you don't have a guy that is elite at catching the ball and, and is elite in pass block and he can run the ball, then you have to go out and get a couple of different guys to where you can run them in different plays and different schemes. Whether you have a good guy on pass block, cool. I got a guy who's good pass block. I got a guy who can catch, cool. I got a guy who can catch. And I got a guy who I can hand the ball on any down and I know he's going to get at least four or five yards. I mean, it's just how the, the league is right now. Yeah, man. And I mean, look, you can – Draft a running back very high, man. You can do that, but it's just not a valuable position. Not a good investment. Yeah, when you can draft an offensive line and then get another guy later. Like, I kid you not, man. Look, I, I love me some, I love me some Derrick Henry, man. But he's at one of them, he's one of them guys that's a one-trick pony, bro. And I love him. He can't you can't catch him from behind. He's a big dude. But he don't catch as well, and he don't really pass block that well either, dog. <laughs> so, but he don't really have a chance to because they don't pass. <laughs> so, I mean, but that's another guy that I would consider a one-trick pony, man. And you need guys that can do everything if you're going to invest in them like that, man. Like, you just – you got to have some type of value other than running the football, man. Because the way, like you said, the way the offense is going, if I want to line up in a single back, I want to switch that to a five wide. I can't do that with, you know, a one trick pony, you know? So, mm-hmm. that's it, man. This, this is a great episode, man. Uh, we're going to close it out right here, man. What if series, man? This is what. This is what we like to do, man. Talk sports, talk football, man. This is what we do, man. But before we get up out of here, anything you got to say, man? Man, we're seeing a huge, I wouldn't say huge, we're seeing a substantial jump, especially in the last couple of days. We're starting to see a lot more people starting to subscribe. 
and we're, I'm just gonna give you guys a, just a little hint that uh, you guys are gonna start seeing some some new cooler stuff. But just keep an open mind. I'm not giving away anything else other than that. We're still gonna be here. We're still gonna be talking a lot of really cool stuff. But we made some kind of investment, and I think you guys are really gonna enjoy. But like, comment, subscribe. Please hit the bell notification. We don't want y'all to miss any videos. We've got a college football playlist. We've got an NFL playlist. We're just starting a What If series. Obviously, this is going to be the first episode. And then once the season rolls around, we're going to start reacting to games, picking games, discussing different things going on, different storylines, stuff like that. So you guys should really check it out, subscribe, and just get along for the ride, man. Buckle up. All right. Couldn't have said it better myself, man. All right. Welcome to the What If series, y'all. We up out of here. Peace. Yeah.